I'm going to call to order the uh, Peace River Town Council regular meeting for Monday, November the 10th, 2014 to order. We let the record show that the meeting started at three minutes after five. Uh, everyone should have an agenda in front of them. Um, there have been, uh, since it was issued on Friday, there have been uh, uh, three editions. So under new business, there should be an 8.4 National Child Day Proclamation. And under information, <coughs> there will be uh, the RCMP reports. And um, there's actually two reports under there. Uh, Town of Peace River Municipal Two-Year Stats and I, they seem to be one and the same. Peace River Municipal Two-Year October 2014. So I'm not quite sure. But uh, how many RCMP reports are there? They seem to be... There are two, yes. And I believe one of them is the regional and one of them is for the town itself. Okay. <coughs> Very good. Are there uh, and are there any uh, additions? Councillors would like to add, or any deletions they would like to see. Okay. Hearing none, I'll entertain a motion to accept the agenda as amended. I'll make that motion. All in favor of Councillor Burr's motion? Passed. <clears throat> that takes us to the adoption of minutes. So we, you should have seen the minutes of the November 3rd, 2014 organi organizational meeting of council. Are there any uh, problems, issues, corrections, typos, etc., cetera, uh, that we need to make on those minutes? If not, is there somebody that will move those minutes? Councillor Benke? I would make that motion, Your Worship. To adopt the, uh, the organizational meeting of council minutes. All in favor? <coughs> uh, then there are, are the minutes of the uh, November 3rd, 2014 regular meeting of council. Any, uh, any changes required there? Hearing none, I'll take a motion on. I'd uh, put a motion on for your worship to adopt uh, the uh, minutes uh, for the uh, November 3rd meeting as presented. All in favor, Councillor Needham's motion passed. Are there any public hearings, Ms. Alexoff? No, your worship. That takes us to presentations, <clears throat> and we have a presentation from STARS. Welcome.
great to see you contribute support and the opportunity and the pleasure of having my base director, Greg Smith, come along as well. And so if any um, operational type of questions, please feel free. You can raise up and I'm happy to answer for you. Great. I'm finding that, you know, that sometimes there's uh, councils that have a, uh, maybe a new member or two, and so just do a quick review of who we are. We are definitely, um, you know, a helicopter emergency transport system that provides critical care. We are a non-profit charitable organization, so there is no bill to patients. Um, if there is, you know, you are an Albertan, then you would not receive a bill. Okay, is that better? Okay. Okay, wonderful. Well, that was last year. <laughs> I ended up having a presentation over the phone with you because of the really horrific weather. Yes, it was just last year that I was, it was just so bad that I was like, okay, I guess I just can't do it. But I'm so glad to be here today. <laughs> so anyway, to continue on, uh, STARS is internationally recognized, not only as a leader in critical care, but we're also internationally recognized for our unique model, and that is of government, corporate, and community support. We are night vision capable, so that, you know, does allow us to fly at night. And more than 50% of our calls that we are answering to are at night. So that is a key aspect for us and something that, as Albertans, we should be really, really uh, feel privileged about. We have now, um, STARS as a whole, has now flown over 26,000 missions across six bases across Western Canada. So three bases in Alberta, two in Saskatchewan, and one in Manitoba. Certainly, finding the patient is the first aspect, and uh, we do have our emergency link center. It is, oversees all communication and transport, as well as helping us to coordinate medical consultations. We can link up to 13 different callers all at the same time, so everyone is getting the exact same information at the same time. Remote site um, registration is also a key aspect of that, and there has been as much as 4,500 registered sites daily. So that's a, a true aspect, too. And a lot of people um, believe that, you know, it's just for industry. It's not. Anyone can call and register a site. So we've had, um, say, events such as a uh, community, uh, maybe annual rodeo, for example, that will call in, and for that weekend that they're having that event, they will register their site. So that way, then we have all the exact um, Latin longs of, of where the uh, event is taking place, and would, they would have direct access to us. So um, we also have, like, say, uh, personally, um, hunters, maybe, if they have an established annual site that they go and hunt every year, then they can call in and register their site. So, you know, all in the interest of safety, always. So there was 140 industry-related emergencies in 2013. So we definitely, it is a key aspect for industry as well. Greg? 
talk a little bit about our helicopter fleet. So uh, currently we have uh, 11 helicopters in our fleet uh, based out of Grand Prairie and kind of our mainstay of our fleet is our BK-117. So we have eight of those aircraft. It's uh, the aircraft most people in Alberta would probably be familiar with. So we've been flying them for just about 30 years now actually. So um, they're one located at each one of our bases across our organizations. So they fly at a range of about 225 kilometers an hour. They're set up generally for, for one patient, so one critical care patient, but there is a capability of flying with two patients. They're just uh, they're relatively tight when we start doing that, so we try to avoid that. But uh, So, yeah, so they are the mainstay of our fleet, and like I said, that's kind of our, our helicopter we fly the most. We also have three AW-139 helicopters in our fleet now. Um, these are relatively new to the organization. We've been flying it out of Edmonton for... Uh, it's coming on two years now in, out of Edmonton, so... Uh, and then Edmonton and Calgary have been, or sorry, Calgary and Saskatoon have been flying for uh, Calgary for about six or six months or so, and Saskatoon has only been flying for about a month with that AW-139. So it is a lot larger helicopter, flies uh, two critical patients at any one given time, so the interior of the helicopter is a lot larger, the exterior is a lot larger, it's just a bigger helicopter. Um, with that, there's multiple benefits to that, so it's uh, faster, first off, it's about a 275 kilometer an hour range, or sorry, uh, um, speed. Range is considerably further, so it's about 700 kilometers versus the 500 kilometers one way, so it makes a big difference from kind of the amount of distance that we can reach. And it's also got de-icing capabilities, so it allows us to fly in freezing fog and freezing rain, which is something that we're not able to do with our current fleet or the smaller helicopters. So, so it's a, a huge difference and a huge benefit to the patients from that capability. So. Uh, in the back of our helicopters, it doesn't matter the type of helicopter we're flying in or the type of uh, aircraft or vehicle that we're traveling in. We basically have the same crew and the same amount of equipment all, all time. So it's basically an airborne intensive care unit is what it is. So everything you'll find in an emergency room or an intensive care room, we have a version of in the back of the helicopter. So uh, it's always staffed by one nurse and one paramedic and then one physician who's always on call. So the physician's either in the helicopter with us or on the phone at all times. So. Some of the things that we have in the back of the helicopter that you won't find in the back of your average ambulance. So we have the ability to do lab work in the back of the helicopter. So there's actually an ability to draw blood work off a patient and get results immediately. Uh, we have a video laryngoscope, which is fairly new. So that uh, allows us to see, uh, as you can see on that screen there, actually it's a camera that you can stick inside the throat of a patient and actually place tubes right inside their lungs. and allows us to make sure that we actually are putting the tube in the right place. And it's one of the most dangerous things that kind of any medical care provider does to a patient and that just gives us an extra added level of safety so and also allows us to to make uh patients that are very difficult to uh, put a breathing tube in it makes it a lot easier and safer for us so some of the other things that are uh, coming really soon and this is actually happening now at uh, a few of our bases so starting in saskatchewan and uh, gone to calgary and now edmonton and grand prairie will start carrying it as well as blood on the helicopters so We've always had the ability to land at a hospital, pick up blood if we need if need be, and take it out to a patient. Uh, this will be a little bit of a game changer in the sense that every one of our helicopters have two units of blood stocked on, on it 24-7. So uh, essentially a patient on the side of the road in a car accident, if they require blood, will be able to get blood uh, at the scene prior to going to the hospital. So that will be a huge change uh, for providing care to those benefits, or for those patients. Some of the other stuff we do, and this is part of STARS that not a lot of people are aware of, so we have an education unit as well. So as you can see, there's a big picture of the big bus. So it's about a 40-foot Class A motorhome that's uh, converted into a mobile education unit. So in the back of that bus, it's set up a lot like a hospital room, So and it's got a mannequin in there. He breathes, he talks, he, he's got pulses everywhere as you arrive. And basically, it allows medical providers to practice skills and practice treating patients uh, in a no-kind-of-consequence environment. So... 
So we'll take that around to uh, rural hospitals throughout the, the area. So there's about 50, 50 hospitals we'll go, go to with that particular unit in northern Alberta. Um, allow basically doctors and nurses and, and paramedics in their community where they work to practice on a mannequin that's uh, not only extremely expensive and you know they wouldn't have ac access to it otherwise but it's extremely realistic so it's a great amount of training it allows them to really basically see you know a half a dozen of the sickest patients they'll ever see in their life in an afternoon so and then learn from those uh, from those patients and with any luck uh, if one of those patients were to walk in the door of their healthcare facility they'd have the ability to treat them uh, in, a, in a way that they wouldn't have earlier that day so with that motorhome it's not just uh, kind of home down for for rural hospitals we also use it a lot for uh providing a critical care course that we have. So we have a critical care transport academy. So this is a certificate program through the UFC and STARS that we use to trans, uh, sorry, to educate rural providers, basically, to uh, transport medicine and critical care medicine. And we also use it for, or for training uh, nurses at the GPRC as well. So. Mm -hmm. uh, the bus was in um, working with your physicians and nurses in May here in Peace River, and then there's provisions that they're just putting the schedule together for the new year and it will be back so be watching for that mm -hmm. and uh, I will be trying to keep you in the loop as well that um, the next time that it is going to be here if there's an opportunity uh, usually they'll uh, allow us maybe a half an hour or so prior to starting those educational things with the physicians and nurses to allow you to come and have a tour so if you're interested in that I'll keep you informed as um, the, the next date upcoming that it will be in Peace River. So, of course, STARS Foundation is the fundraising arm of STARS itself. Uh, donations make up 70% of our operating budget. For STARS across Alberta, that's a $35 million operating budget. So, certainly, government, Alberta Health Services, is our largest supporter at about 28% <coughs> currently. Um, municipalities are also a key aspect of being able to um, provide be a part of the municipal initiative as you were yourselves and so it's very much been a lifeline for our northern base and going forward um, we continue to work with corporations you know oil and gas and and the other industry sectors as well as the individual donations and the calendar campaign that's still ongoing until the end of the year um, I believe that it was in your area in September early October um, if anyone's interested in calendars, and we certainly still have them at the base, you can give us a call and we can send them out to you. Um, as well as the calendar campaign that generates $10 million net every year. Or not the calendar camp, sorry, the lottery. $10 million <laughs> net every year. Yeah. No, not the calendar, yeah, sorry. Calendar's I'm, impressive. I'm, looking I'm at gonna the get that line. calendar business. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a thing, isn't it? No, the lottery, we're very fortunate now. Over twin, We're on our 22nd year coming up that we have had a successful sold out lottery every year it's one of the only across Canada and that it has generated more than 10 million dollars net every year which is basically uh, provides for all the entire operations of one base so very fortunate for that and that will be uh, launched in uh, mid-January so uh, you know Working together to have all the different aspects in place that support the operations of STARS is key. You know, the, the mission rate is not going down. It hasn't gone down every year for almost 30 years. So having those th different aspects in place, you know, um, 
providing that sustainability is really key. So here you are, um, municipalities that have chosen to be um, supporting STARS uh, ongoing, like we've been very fortunate now for eight years for Grand Prairie. And we're also working uh, closer with municipalities across all of Alberta. So currently we have about two-thirds of the municipalities across Alberta, and I will be continuing to work um, across the province and, and be working with the other municipalities. We want to be, uh, again, say thank you very much for your support in 2013. The municipal initiative itself has provided leadership above and beyond. It, it provided um, a key aspect of being able to have the helipad built at the QE2 Regional Hospital, which allowed us initially to be able to deliver patients in a timely manner. And then it led to continued support for the Grand Prairie base operations with the $2 per capita that we have seen across um, our entire service area. And then, of course, we made history when the seven districts that we serve in northeastern B.C. also joined the Alberta Northern Municipal... Muni <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Alberta Initiative. In 2011, it encouraged that Alberta Health Services would recognize Grand Prairie Base, and we were able to sign an affiliation agreement with them so that we now had unanimous support across the north. So now, it, um, current to date, we have um, municipalities that are giving from $2 per capita up to $65 per capita, joining together and showing you know, that there is that sustainability piece for us going forward. Proven results now with over 1,800 missions that we have flown just in our northern region. Last year, it was 1,688 missions just for last year across Alberta. But this is uh, the 1,800 missions would be um, going on eight years, but just in our northern area. So still, I, you know, I think that it speaks for itself. Here's our service area again, just to, to refresh. You know, in the beginning, when we very first brought the base to, to Grand Prairie, they had forecast that we would probably see 50, maybe 60 missions for the first couple of years until we were integrated into the resources and into the system. We actually flew three times that 150 missions in that first year. Now we're averaging over 300 missions. We were at 300 missions this year at September and we're just coming into our busier season as well. So certainly, as I said, you know, the, the mission rate continues to rise. For Town of Peace River, let's come a little closer to home. So 54 missions to date. Uh, approximately two-thirds of those missions are all inter-facility transfers. So definitely you have a very busy hospital, and, and we're very fortunate that we're able to um, help to uh, facilitate some of those critical care missions that are coming out of that hospital. Um, I gave you a breakdown there so you could see each year what has been happening. And this year there's been seven to date. And again, that was at the beginning of September. So you're averaging approximately about seven missions per year just in your immediate area. The reality is that Alberta is continuing to grow and thrive. Our mission rates have doubled. Increasing call volume, that is uh, something that we continue to, uh, it provides a challenge for us. Operational costs associated will continue to rise as well. 
Protective services is essential to a community's well-being, and we are a part of that um, protective services. All, we want to make sure and ensure that all options are available to northern residents in order to have a, um, a full uh, complement of protective services. You know, you need ground ambulance, you need your fire department, you need fixed wing, and you need the helicopter rotary capabilities. That really gives us the opportunity to have, in every situation, an option available. So, again, the over 1,800 missions flown in the north, I believe, are the successes that we have achieved together. So my request to you is that you would kindly consider to continue being uh, joining your municipal neighbors in a partnership that saves lives. I'm asking you to renew your 2013 commitment that you had made of $14,000, which is uh, just a, a little bit over a $2 per capita in support of our base that serves northern residents. Next year, STARS is going to celebrate 30 years of serving Albertans. To me, that's proof that it is working. STARS is ready, willing, and able to assist and be a part of the protective services for your area. It does take a team effort to save lives. We're really proud to be part of that team. And with your help, we can continue to respond for generations to come. You know, it's all about looking to the future. And I think that it's our responsibility as being here today that we continue to put in places a, um, a good operating services that it is going to provide um, critical care, medical care for our children and our grandchildren. So I'm hoping that you will see STARS as a part of that. And we thank you for your time. Thank you. Any questions from Council? I just uh, the the eighteen eighteen hundred or eighteen thousand? I forgot. Eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred. Eighteen thousand. I'm back to the calendar lottery uh, analysis. <laughs> <laughs> so just uh, and and uh, yes, I recognize that we provided start some funding last year, but I, I guess uh, I look at the at the mission. Is there an obvious? Um, your pie chart earlier showed where your funds were coming from. Looking at those missions, is there an obvious? group, sector, clientele that is not supporting STARS or, or, or is it a, are, are you, are you, I guess what I'm saying, is there a correlation between uh, funds and people that aren't supporting you or are supporting you? Is there some sort of correlation between the two numbers? Is there, uh, is it, could you say the forestry sector or some other sector is not supporting you and you're supporting them, like that sort of analysis? No, I would say like largely industry as a whole, whether it is agricultural or, you know, it's uh, forestry or oil and gas, like everyone is doing their part. I, I think that we have good coverage overall with um, government certainly being the largest part. Municipalities, I feel like, you know, um, as we grow that, that's speaking for Albertans in general. And we must always remember that as uh, part of the users of STAR services, the greatest piece would be the general public. 
And so in that aspect, you know, being able to have that um, community piece, have those individuals that buy a calendar or a lottery ticket each year, you know, that's the individual support. You know, going that one step further, it's kind of, um, for municipalities, it's kind of a, a complement between the two. It's, it's representing the community, it's representing al individuals, and it's representing Albertans as a whole. So that's kind of just that cross-section piece between the government and then going to the, you know, corporate and the individuals. Okay, thank you. So I wanted to be able to um, present you with a plaque. It's just a small token of our appreciation for your support and consideration in 2013 and going forward that, um, as I said, I hope that you will give great consideration to continuing to be a part of that. We're very grateful to you. As well, I did bring you a um, calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Like you dress any different kind? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we should get the Hall of Council around the table. We'll just go right in the yeah, and then we'll get everybody around. Sure. And maybe then they can crowd around me and, and uh, <laughs> cover <laughs> off my... There's band-aids inside the calendar there. Oh, yeah. So first one to open them, snags there, yeah. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. And then that 
Well, I think that plaque's going like, to look nice in the lobby. Yes, thank you. <laughs> this is work. No, this is hobby. Okay. That uh, then takes us into bylaws. And my under... My understanding is that we will, uh, there's initiative from Councillor Ford to uh, amend and, and bring up to date the current taxi bylaw. So are you going to speak to this, Mr. Graham, uh, kick, off the, kick off the discussion on that, or are you going to do that, uh, Ms. Bell? If there's anything, is administration is looking for council's direction of what components of the bylaw you would like to be addressed. Okay, there's been quite a bit of concern in our in our community in regards to the taxi cabs um, safety cleanliness, um, great down to uh, to inspections. I've had a, a bunch of meetings with uh, our local RCMP with Graham and uh, uh, some concerned citizens in regards to the. Uh, to the bylaw, um, there's I think there's some areas in the bylaw that uh, could be changed in order to make the, the the community feel a little bit safer using our services here. A lot of the information that I have gathered, I have uh, turned that over to uh, Mr. Smith to uh, speak to about tonight. So, so if we were to talk about specifics, you would or be a little more specific, you would like the uh, uh, a taxi by, by, a new taxi bylaw to come into come into play that would uh, increase inspections or and or the level of inspections? Yeah, level of inspections I'd also like to uh, specifically address uh, in section four three uh, A uh, in regard in regards to the criminal code and how we uh, um, issue Licenses. permits to uh, to people wanting to uh, operate cabs in the town of Peace River. So background, you'd like to see an increased vigilance on background checks? That is correct. And uh, inspections, uh, so more detailed inspections? Or? Yeah. Um, yes, and I, I, the, the reports or the inf information I gathered in regards to inspections, I have turned those over to, uh, to Mr. Smith. They come from the city of Edmonton, as well. I do believe that uh, Mr. Smith has uh, some specific uh, styles and in in inspections from the city of Calgary, as well as uh, Grand Prairie. Um, like speaking to Section 3A is in regards to the Criminal Code of Canada, um, where it reads: um, 
No taxicab driver sh permit shall be issued to any persons who a has been convicted under the Criminal Code of Canada within a five-year period immediately preceding the date of application. So my understanding of this is when uh, anybody goes into the detachment to get a criminal records check done, the check comes back saying one of five things. It'll say negative, incomplete, possible match, match to other police services records or adverse information. And it's the possible match that uh, we have to be concerned about. Um, at that point, um, there is, like Graham has no way of, of uh, determining that five-year period. So that person would have to go back in and get their fingerprints taken, send away, and come and present that uh, back to Mr. Smith okay. for, a pro for a proper record check. So in terms of safety, are you looking for a barrier between the drivers and the passengers in the back? or is there um, That's is something that I haven't, I actually haven't gotten into yet. It, it's something that might, uh, might come up um, in the meetings that I've had. I've even had uh, discussions where maybe it would be uh, worthwhile putting a video camera into into the cab so that when a fare when there is an active fare that camera has to be on and that'll both protect the uh, the the member or the members of public as well as the, uh, the cab drivers themselves okay and, uh, and so in terms so none of your concerns re are related to fares and 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 metering of the taxis? No, I, that that hasn't come up in in uh, any of my discussions with the public. Um, more to, more so to do with uh, with the inspections, with the uh, who who gets the permits to drive cab in town, as far as uh, criminal code and stuff like that. Okay. Leadership, if I can make a comment on that, um, the meter question has come up in some of the discussions that I've had in terms of uh, it being. Uh, random at best in terms of, of what a fare costs to go from one side of town to the other or across the bridge. Um, so if we are going to be opening this up, perhaps we should be looking at all of those components um, and looking to provide a taxi service similar to what anybody would be receiving in, in a city because, I mean, a lot of the people who are using the taxi cabs in the, in the area, a lot of them um, are using the, the pass system as well, but uh, you know, if economics is an issue, the last thing we want to do is be, uh, you know, have them not know what their rides are going to cost or have there be uh, deficiencies between days. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Ms. Bell, or Mr. Smith can correct me. I believe a year and a half or two years ago, didn't we require the taxi cabs to uh, post their fares on the window and it was really a zone fare? Yeah, that, that's correct, Your Worship. The amendment to the bylaw that was done last June 2013 required posting of fares and rates on the vehicle. Yeah. Where we run into difficulties on that particular part of that slide up here, if you go up here, uh, is when there are multiple stops. Can you turn the microphone on? Uh, multiple stops. So a person uh, obtains the services of a cab at the residence, uh, just for example, South End. They wish to go to 
Walmart, wherever. There's a set fee from one side of the river to the other. Well, on the way back, they decide, well, I need to go to Shoppers Drug Mart. I need to go to Canadian Tire. I need to go to the medical clinic. And they want the cab to wait for them. And that runs up the amount because there's a waiting charge because you've basically taken that vehicle out of service. Uh, with the taxi pass program, too, it counts basically as another trip. And Danya and I have discussed this one at length. And how we're going to work that one out, we're, we're still whittling away at that one. But, yeah, it is very much the grid. It's so much on one side of the river, so much to the other, so much from south to north. And then we should also be looking at regulating, I would think, uh, fares from the airport to town. Uh, other communities do it, uh, especially where our airport is remote from the town limits. It's not that far, but, you know, it's out halfway to Grimshaw. Uh, the cab driver company is going to expect to be making more money. And once they pass the, uh, the corporate limits, it's whatever the trade will bear. And we need, I would think, to regulate that uh, for both our own people and for the traveling public. And we're going to see a lot of those in the next little while. Okay, so I guess you've added something else to your own list. <laughs> what, Mr. Smith, what about as far as uh, the, some of the other comments I heard from public was, uh, let's say, for instance, you pick up uh, a client at uh, the bar because you're going to take them home, they stop here, and then they and end up getting off at their at their residence, so to speak. What about uh, uh, as far as these companies keeping logs of, of number of people picked up and where they're dropping them off? For, for record that, purposes. That should be happening. That, that's something we, we didn't bring in. We wanted to get this up and running. And they, uh, they, at the time, the less paperwork, the better. And we went through, I, I think, some, well, and I don't think anybody in this council might have been around, but we went through quite a rigmarole back in 2009, excuse me, to get this actually up and running, including, you know, a week's withdrawal of service by all the taxi cab drivers. And there was a lot of negotiating and horse trading went on and we came up with a version that was acceptable to the uh, to the council of the day and to the taxi drivers of the day hmm. I have a question or a couple of them um, so permits are issued annually right now they are good for one year so annually the driver has to go and get a criminal record check correct do they also have to, and I don't know if it's part of that, have to get the check where it's a kind of a child welfare? Vulnerable sector thing? check is what you're referring to. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm requiring it right now. It's not enshrined in the bylaw, and it needs to be, but I'm, I'm just telling them, for your own protection and for the protection of the public, you will have this, or I'm not going to issue a permit. And they've all said, fine, no problem. We're, we're right on board with this. The biggest problem with that was, and it's now been solved, is that Peace River Detachment at the time did not have electronic scanning capability for fingerprints. You had to go to Grand Prairie Detachment. Peace River Detachment now has the electronic scanning capability. Instead of a criminal record check, if it came back, when they went in and did the original CPEC check, they came back anything other than negative. They'd have to do fingerprints off to Grand Prairie Detachment and run them electronically there or they had to do the, send them manually, either through the K Division in Edmonton or 
God forbid. So that's been fixed now. Uh, well, I, I, it's not totally fixed, but it's a whole lot quicker. Okay. And we're getting back good results in the, the categories that Council mm-hmm. Board mentioned. Um, and a mechanism for the public to generally report that the taxi cab was unclean, et cetera. So. That's something that isn't there now. I think it should be. I had quite a discussion with one of my colleagues in Grand Prairie on Friday afternoon. And uh, they're running a, a higher standard of vehicle inspection. They're actually back uh, still using the old out-of-province inspection, which we started with. Uh, but they also run a, uh, for the for the lack of a better term, a cleanliness inspection. Now, you know, are there dust bunnies and fuzzballs in the seats? You know, are there cigarette butts on the floor? Uh, is the, the thing just disgustingly odiferous? The one thing I, I never thought, I would never have thought of myself, but they did, is the uh, cargo compartment in, like, say, the SUV or the trunk. Uh, there are certain things they don't allow you to carry in there. Uh, windshield washer fluid, oils, WD-40. These things all, other than WD-40, what do these things all have in common? They come in a plastic jug. What do plastic jugs do? They leak. Do you want your you know, groceries sitting on a trunk carpet covered in glycol? I, I don't think so. And they've had really good success with that. They, uh, they had some fight, but uh, everybody seems to be complying now, and I think that's a heck of a good idea. Um, in regards to one of the meetings that I had with uh, Mr. Bushy and uh, our acting CEO of, of the day last week, uh, Renee Bush and Graham, um, one of the things that uh, we discussed was in regards to when a, uh, a driver gets his permit betwe- between that time and the time that he's renewed. Um, Mr. Smith came up with a, with a really good idea in regards to if there is an offense committed and I think I'll let you speak to that or a charge that go ahead right now the way it stands is we can't suspend anybody until they're charged I mean it's due process it works in any British based system of justice that you know you're you're innocent until you're proven guilty and no offense has been committed until they charge you in a court of law Mm. so I can't I can't suspend on suspicion it's a it's illegal impossibility it's totally against the charter of rights. But once they have been charged, I mean, I don't attend DACA court every Monday. I go when I need to go or something pops up. It would become incumbent on the permit holder that if he were charged with any offense under the criminal code or the CDS, sorry, I talk in rhymes, Controlled Drugs and Substances Act, marijuana, meth, that sort of stuff, it is incumbent on them to report it to us and surrender their permit immediately until such time as it is disposed of. Either he's acquitted, he's convicted, then it's gone, or if there is a disposition that doesn't result in a conviction. Now, that's hard to say. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the discharge system in the Canadian justice system. You can have a conditional discharge or an absolute discharge. You're found guilty but not convicted. As weird as that sound. But there are conditions attached to those. You have to do so many hours community service. You have to uh, enroll in a uh, 
alternative measures program, which is what they usually do for uh, minor possession of marijuana, things like that, under 30 grams. So there's, you know, there's a, a finding of guilt but no conviction. But it becomes their responsibility to tell us, and if we find out otherwise, yeah, then it's grounds for suspension right on the spot because you concealed something from us. It's the same as lying in, in a court of law. It's, it's lying on your and cheating on your tax return. Same basic idea. One of the uh, pieces of information I'd like to share with uh, council this evening is a letter that uh, I received from some members of our of our local de detachment who I had a meeting here with, and it says, as per our discussion yesterday, <coughs> excuse me. I would add to your bylaws that taxi drivers provide a driver's abstract to your office on an annual basis for you uh, for review by whoever you see fit. I'm not sure if that's if that is being done. That's, that's enshrined in the bylaw now. It is there. It is being looked at and checked. Okay. Also, the idea of having video cameras in all cabs, and then you would need a bylaw to start that states a video must be activated during all fares. As for Section 3A1, and this is one that we were speaking about earlier, um, suggest possibly having it read uh, 10 years for sexual offenses, corruption, corruption of public morals, where, where we need to make a definition, a definition on that. I've heard stories of, well, I won't charge you a ride if you, so, so to speak. And then, like, how do you, how do you, as far as that, that's totally against public morals. How do you? You, uh, what this council needs to do is set a time frame. Now, again, the law is a bit weird, and the, the British justice system, which is what we are based on. I mean, I've already mentioned to you what they call the golden thread that runs through British justice. You're innocent until proven guilty. That's that's there. That's enshrined. You know, we don't, you know, we don't you know, suspend on suspicion. Yeah, sometimes you can get charged on suspicion if there's enough evidence. But we need something say, okay, you know, how many years has it been since that conviction? Now, it used to be, I, I say, I haven't looked at a, a criminal record that's been produced in court in the last little while, but they always used to say, they might not have a specific date, but they, they would have a year. How many years has it been since this person was convicted of whatever? Whether it was a sexual offense, uh, whether it was an impaired, which is something else altogether. But are, are those, is, is that kind of like, from what I'm, I'll just finish the letter that I'll, I'll share with you and then you can you can address the, the, uh, the uh, that vulnerable sector check or that that we're discussing there um, can possibly consider having that uh, 3A section one consider it having it read that you may not have any conviction for the same um, when a person comes in for a vulnerable sector check they get back a form that says one of five things negative incomplete possible match matched other police services records or adverse information and the one that we need to be concerned of is that possible match absolutely so the, the thing is, possible match could mean a number of things. It could mean, yeah, that's the guy we're looking for. It could mean, okay, they have the same, absolutely the same, given one, given two surname. They can have the same date of birth. 
until you submit the fingerprints, which are you know, one individual. Nobody's fingerprints are the same. No two persons' fingerprints are the same. And those are submitted, and it has to go, and I'm trying to find the name of the last thing here. Well, Graham, instead of getting into yeah, some like, it's the detail of it. Depository in, in Ottawa. Yeah. I, I think what we're looking for is direction from council yeah. on the components of the bylaw you'd like to yeah. um, review. And I'm hearing there's three specific areas. Um, just out of respect as well, um, I made a phone call. I asked uh, Mr. Mr. Armstrong to uh, attend tonight as uh, he has some fairly good information that he might like to share with council. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Armstrong, uh, would you care to speak to taxi bylaw? I think we need to avoid getting into specifics, though, I guess, oh, in yeah, terms of... RCMP, upon being charged with an offense or the possibility of an offense, they're suspended until an investigation is complete. As far as not being able to have clause with the town of Peace River, if somebody accuses somebody of molestation or whatever in a taxi cab, that accusation is serious. And that should be in the bylaw upon accusation. It is automatically suspended. Once they're proven innocent or guilty, fine. But that should not be put forward like that should be in the uh, in the bylaw. Okay. And as far as uh, nothing, it should be in there. Is a procedure, a complaint procedure. Town of Peace River has no complaint procedure in place. So if you are to make a complaint to the Town of Peace River, there should be on the website in the bylaws procedures. You follow it. Like City of Grand Prairie, I've got an example here. A complaint process stipulated and goes through the whole thing and the response expected from the municipality. Yeah. There has been a motion from council in just in the last uh, few meetings to, uh, sure, to yeah, drop the policy that, in regards to that specific. Yeah, most definitely, for sure. Yeah, like you say, it just it, it, it needs some brushing up. It's not a bad system what you got going here, but there's way too many loopholes. And the thing is, this is one thing to put it in a bylaw, but enforce the bylaw. That's 90%. You can have all this stuff written down. Everything looks cool on paper, but unless you are enforcing it and have the staff in place to do so, you're wasting your time. And that's where I see somewhat of the manpower issue that we have right now as well as every industry. And stuff is, uh, like I say, you guys have to follow up on this. Writing stuff on paper is one thing, but following through is another. And I would really like to see that because some of the stuff has been falling down. Okay. Any other suggestions for improvement? Uh, no, I think I'm cool. Okay. What about with respect to, um, well, I don't know if I should ask. Mr. Mayor will tell me. Um, the part about um, the um, meters, do you see that as an issue at all? It is an issue because especially in the rural People that use it, like you say, as Graham has suggested, anything outside the town limits, it's a free-for-all, whatever the market will bear. That is not really acceptable because, like I say, we're regional partners and stuff. So either the municipalities and the town of Peace River have to come up with something that works together. But as far as them just going, I'm going to charge whatever the hell I want when I get out of Peace River, that's not cool. 
and like you say, and you've got a lot of other town workers, the campus going into the airport uh, and uh, various other facilities around here, there should be some type of regulation in place for that. You'll meet with some major opposition, as happened three or four years ago through the taxi cabs. But again, as a municipality, you got to stand up. Don't let these guys dictate to you. For sure. Well, thank you, Mr. Officer. Thank you for your time. So, uh, Mr. Mayor, I have one other okay. question. It has to do with um, Section 4, Number 5, the temporary permit that's um, valid for a maximum 90 days. Does, do the temporary permit drivers go through the same procedures as the regular drivers? And 90 days seems a long time. So Ms. just a thing to investigate. I'll uh, let Mr. Smith answer that. The temporary permit system is the legacy of the original bylaw from two councils ago, I do believe. Uh, it was one of the compromises that uh, council and the CAO at the time made with the taxi operators because they were having a hard time, especially if somebody got sick, getting, getting a driver, and they were trying to operate 24-7, and I mean, you know, it's either you're, you're taking uppers, drinking a lot of coffee, or you need more drivers. And they were having somebody come along. And, and a couple of times, you know, they, they actually brought in family members who didn't have a problem. We ran them through the basic CPIC check. I didn't like 90 days, but I was, that was disapproved by the, the council of the day. Uh, I'd, I'd have much rather have said, if we're going to do that at all, no more than 30. You know, nobody's going to be sick for three months, you know, unless they're in a hospital bed or get a cast on them. Uh, it's just something that we were given to work with, and I don't care for it, but it's the law. Well, you got a chance to take it out now. Well, that's what I was thinking, hoping for your support on that one. Well, you've got a lame Deputy Mayor Manzer's support at a minimum. <laughs> Well, one's better than none. <laughs> but not as good as four. <laughs> but all seven of you would be nice. <laughs> anything, anything else that I can clarify for you? What exactly would you like in the motion for? I, I, just something along the lines of, you know, that, you know, that you, you've moved that administration be directed to explore uh, further options, a uh, review of... Uh, the situation and I don't know how you'd word it but you know we we need to have a look at the whole thing we need to reword certain sections at least in my view uh, just direct administration to revise the taxi bylaw and per, per, provide options for further action I, that's the easiest way to wouldn't you agree no, I just revise the taxi bylaw just one question We've talked about a number of things that are obviously going to cost the drivers money. Yep. All these checks and everything else. Absolutely. What does a meter cost? Like, does anyone have any idea? Are $600. $1,500? $600. 600 oh. Plus about 200 and change for the installation because they. it takes about the first I've, – I've talked to some of the mechanics and I've talked to a company in Calgary that actually sells meters. 
He said the initial installation, the first guy, time the guy's ever done, he's there with the meter in one hand and the instruction book in the other. Takes about two and a half hours. Depends on what the shop rate is. There's very seldom, and they classify that as electrical work, even though the you know it's it's connected to you know a variable speed meter, you know in in your transmission, and there's no flat rate for electrical work. So you know we're talking about, and I'm guessing, it could be as low as you know seven hundred dollars per unit or as high as eight fifty nine hundred. After the first time the guy installs it, first couple of times. The cost on the installation will go down because he knows what he's doing now. But the first kick at the cat is going to cost the driver a lot of money. And how often does that thing have to be checked for accuracy? annually. And what's that cost? Well, that's a matter of whatever they try to take it. Basically, they take it out for road test. Uh, Most municipalities require that the meter be accurate uh, within, last time I looked, I think it was 3%. 95 times out of 100. So it means road test, the, the whole whole nine yards of that. Uh, I've talked to some mechanics of my acquaintance, and uh, they said, yeah, we could do it, but it takes up a lot of time, and they're going to have to book well in advance because if you drive a car like I do, you know how busy the automotive shops are in this town. Yeah, book book now for January. One point I would like to make, though, is in regards to the uh, just, just some more information for council um, is in regards to the inspections of vehicles. Now, an inspection there's a basically a flat rate on it, depending on how many hours it takes, one or two hours to do an inspection on a vehicle. So your inspection could be what two two hundred and fifty dollars and annually, possibly. I'm guessing the last time I checked when we were still doing the outer province ones, they were up over 200 and some dollars. My my biggest, uh, one of my concerns is, is even in, in the, the industry I'm in, or let's say Mr. Armstrong and his construction business, or, or even the RCMP vehicles in town, if we do our due diligence to make sure your brakes are done, make sure your tires are done, when you go in for that inspection, it should be just that flat rate. Yeah, because if what, you don't if you don't do your due diligence and maintain your vehicle, of course it's not going to pass the inspection. I agree. And what we found actually through my uh, just briefly through my conversation with my colleague in Grand Prairie, they were finding that, and they're still finding because they still use the outer province inspection as their standard for taxi cabs, that the shops are upping the rate because they know it's a taxi cab, they know it has to be done. And they could be doing another vehicle or two more vehicles while they're taking this taxi cab apart. They're, in essence, gouging the taxi operator. But, again, that's whatever the trade will bear. I, I haven't seen any example of that in Peace River from what, you know, fees I've had reported to me. But it's happening. Mr. Needham, you had a motion. Yes, uh, Your Worship, it seems to me there's some substantive issues here from cleanliness to metering to inspections to cameras to flat rates. So uh, I think it's uh, paramount that we uh, review the uh, the taxi bylaw. So my motion would be uh, that I uh, put a motion on the floor to direct administration to, re- to review taxi bylaws 1847 and 1930 
and come back with a revised uh, bylaw uh, early in the new year for Council's uh, further consideration. All in favor of uh, Councillor Needham's motion? Passed. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah, we can take five minutes. Okay, five-minute recess. Starting with unfinished business. And the first item on the unfinished business agenda is regional recreational needs assessment, an update, and I'm assuming that you will uh, take the lead on this, Ms. Bell. That is correct. Your Worship and Council, this is a report in regards to the um, needs assessment. And just an update of Council, we've had a first uh, committee meeting of all the municipalities that are involved in this project. Um, included in the um, brief report is a bit of a, the methodology being proposed by the company that has secured the, um, the contract for the project, RC Strategies out of Edmonton. They're well known in the industry for their recreation work and master planning, strategic planning. Um, overall, there, there's going to be a slight change from what um, I believe Council may have believed the project would have been focusing on. We are going to be including um, the Athabasca Hall as an example. And it will include parks, playgrounds, and trails, which I hadn't anticipated um, at the administrative level because we already have a Parks and Trails master plan. However, um, we are looking at this from a very broad perspective of recreation, leisure, um, and in some of our counties, their halls are their recreation, leisure, and cultural facilities. So it just seemed natural to include all of those facilities in the project. Um, and some of them also include some playgrounds and adjacent to their halls, and hence then we should have to include ours also. Um, it doesn't change the project too much. It just bronze its scope slightly and probably will just give us a lot more good information than um, we had anticipated. Does that include uh, campsites, campgrounds, rural campgrounds? That actually was just recently brought up and I don't have an answer to that question. I need to follow up with the group and find out what their thought is because we did not include campgrounds. Um, I don't anticipate we would necessarily. We were looking at specifically the conversation was around specifically halls, parks, and playgrounds. How about golf courses? Are they, is that all outdoor? Is that in there or out? You've opened up Pandora's Boy, box. has it ever been opened. How um, many municipal golf courses there are, are there? There are none, none. Um, however, we were looking at indoor facilities that were non-profitly operated uh, which one of our golf courses is, as an example. Um, so we were looking at the rec center, the curling club in Peace River, uh, all the ski hill. Those are municipally owned facilities, but they're also uh, operated by nonprofits. So they were being included. But golf courses and campgrounds are question marks. So I'll have to follow up with... Um, Skateboard parks are in or out? Skateboard parks were in. Okay. Yeah. We saw them as a, a natural park playground uh, facility. Yeah. Um, the the project includes an extensive public feedback component or a public consultation component. 
um, looking at doing internal stakeholder interviews, which we're, uh, the consultant re is referring to municipalities, the staff, counselors, and boards. Those are your internal stakeholders. Your external take stakeholder interviews will be with uh, the nonprofit organizations and other organizations that are providing recreational services or operations, for example, at the Ski Hill. Um, skateboard Park Group, the Curtis Marshall Group, that those type of um, organizations. And then the public focus group sessions, one in each community. There's some discussion of whether or not they'll necessarily have one in each rural community or if they'll have uh, one central community each in the, the larger rural areas, but the consultants uh, working that out. And also a student survey, which I think is a great idea, um, and a household survey. Uh, they're proposing a mail-out. They're having much more statistical success with a mail-out than they do with other processes like telephone interviews. And they'll supplement also with an online survey for the general public. Um, and then specific surveys with community groups um, distributed to all of them. So they'll have specific interviews with non certain nonprofits. We can't interview all 120 plus that we have in our, or, um, our community guide, but they will all be surveyed at least in a, a, the paper version format of, of an overall survey. And then the final document is being proposed to come back to all municipal councils um, early March end of February. It's rather an extensive project. So, so it comes back meaning what? That it's the, completed by then? Correct. The final document would be back to municipal councils at that time frame. Your Worship, mm -hmm. uh, just uh, uh, to question to administration, the, uh, the list of municipalities, uh, County of Northern Lights. Um, correct. Okay, and why why do why was under, why was I under the impression they weren't were not part of this? They, I, I think, where the confusion lies is some of the municipalities are participating um, more in the sense of providing their information, whether or not they actively utilize some of the information for their own purposes is right. is good. probably what no. it is. Yeah, good. the county has well, done. To, good, good to see the, the 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 complete list of names, yeah. but I was. From an earlier council discussion, I was under the impression that they'd already done their own yes. and uh, weren't participating, but that's not, not quite the case. They they the case. have done their own, and they're providing the information and participating at maybe a little more arm's length yeah. level. Right. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Thanks. So yes. who all is participating? Uh, County of Northern Lights, Village of Berwyn, Town of Grimshaw, MD of Peace, ourselves, Northern Sunrise County, and the Village of Napa. So it's actually quite an extensive area, but a, a natural, uh, sort of the natural flow of where people are participating. Does the uh, county's um, information going to include the native settlements out at Little Buffalo, that kind of thing? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Do I have a motion to accept this as information? Councillor Ford, all in favor. Uh, next item on the agenda is Green Trip Consultant. This uh, also, Your Worship, is a report for your information to keep you update, uh, up, keep you in updated 
<laughs> around what's happening with this particular project. We have confirmed a consultant, uh, Stantec. They have an individual who's worked with a, a number of smaller communities on the Green Trip applications. She is working with myself and Alicia Modi, our MMSA uh, planner, to complete the application along with the greenhouse gas calculations that's required. Um, it is very reasonable consultant fee, a total of $4,089 for the whole project. So uh, we've signed that agreement and proceeding with the project and anticipate a final application by November 24th is our target date oh, to be good. submitted on time. You yeah. mustn't have told her you were a municipality, otherwise she would have reached deeper into the <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised when I saw the quote. So, okay. yeah. Your so Worship, you, go ahead. Yes, Your Worship. Just uh, well, well, good news. I think uh, uh, that, well, it's, it's excellent news. Just a clarification of your last mm -hmm. paragraph. Um, sounds as though staff called the, the director of Correct. the program and says there are funds remaining. Yeah. I understand that. And then it goes on to say that two to three months in next year's provincial budget. So Correct. So there is money for... 2014, <laughs> but we're looking at 2015 money. Is that how I should interpret that? And, and I'm not 100% on that. The advisor provided me with uh, the information that there is funds available outside of what the larger centers have been allocated, um, available to the rest of us, as it were. They won't be making any formal announcements until the end of February, early March, and also indicated a connection to the next provincial government budget. So I believe this is current funding, um, but I'm not sure why the announcement would, would be such. That, that's what yeah. I was trying to sort out in my mind. Yeah. Is they're talking current funding or, or are we working into next, next year's? But year's irrespective yeah. of uh, the fact that you've got a consultant for that, mm -hmm. uh, for that amount of money and the project is moving ahead is good news. And Thank it you. gives us a time frame to understand of when we would anticipate back a <coughs> response from the application. Um, gives us a bit of a time frame to see what we have to work with. But oil prices just went down, so we'll see how that <laughs> reflects. Okay, so you need a. Uh, what's your recommendation on just this? Just uh, just for information only at this point. Don't you need uh, approval to accept the to. Uh, to go ahead with the hiring the consultants? Um, we do have funds in the operating budget under the transit component already, a $50,000 budget. Um, we felt that it was appropriate to be utilizing those funds instead of uh, some other funds that we were looking at. So we weren't fully requiring a motion, but if council would like to do so, I would not object. Somebody want to make a motion one way or another, whether it be for information or whether it be to... I'll make a motion to accept the uh, report from administration for information and to uh, allow them to proceed with the contract with uh, Stantec. Stantec. Excellent. All in Thank favor you. of Mr. Burr's motion? Um, that takes us to garbage contract. Uh, who's going to speak to this item? Your Worship, if you would... Um, Entertain the motion of a tabling 
of this item. There was a meeting on Friday um, that Councillor Burr was able to attend and a formal report will be brought back November 24th at the next council meeting uh, where the Acting Director of Engineering will provide council with full information of the details from that meeting and how the the amendment to the contract will, and extension will be proceeding. So you want a motion to table this agenda item to what date? Uh, nope. November 24th, yep, next council meeting. Who's going to make that motion? Councillor Benke's made that motion. All in favor? Um, Barrier-free access action plan is the next agenda item. And I'm still trying to download it from the Civic Web Net. Okay. Great. Okay. Waiting for mine to pop. Oh, sorry. Technology. There's. No, no, it's not a huge fan of. Um, Your Worship, this is the. Uh, we wanted to keep Council again updated of how these projects are proceeding. Um, there's quite a number of areas, and all the directors have provided their updates on each of the items. Some of them at this point in the season, unfortunately, have to be deferred until the spring. Um, curb cuts and painting of handicap parking stalls, unfortunately, uh, Mother Nature has thwarted that process and will start again in April or as soon as possibly can be done. Um, so on your far right um, column F is the action that will be preceded. Some of them have been finalized. There's been a couple of letters been sent out. Um, to uh, Alberta Registries has been completed and also the medical center or the medical clinic has uh, been completed a letter passing on the comments and concerns from the Canadian Paraplegic Association. Yeah. Oh, good point. Thank you, Anna. Um, we have actually added some on our own. Oh, the line 1314... Uh, and sorry, 12, 13, and 14. The library we've noticed uh, is a problem. Their handicap stall is on quite an incline. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. No. But, uh. <laughs> also, their yeah. this is on the ground, so when yeah. it's snowed, you can. Y there's them. poor signage there, so we'll be moving that stall up east, I believe. I've got my locations correct. Um, and it'll be more along the side of the parallel parking there. A curb cut will be put in and proper uh, signage. Um, Townwide parking stalls, there will be, come springtime, a schedule put in place for lowering of the curbs, widening of stalls where there are some that require this. this. And also at the airport main terminal, um, they will be adding some wheelchair access to that particular location also. Oh, that's great. But we don't have a date on that airport access. Uh, that year. I don't know. It's part of the terminal upgrade, so throughout that construction it will occur. But I'm I not, was, I don't have a date per se. That was actually my, my question. I was curious to see what the issue was there because I didn't know there was an issue. I, I thought it was fine. but uh, So you, you do not know what it is. Specifically, I'm not sure. 
My understanding is that it's something with the door. I believe that the door, um, when it opens, it's a little rough, and people are having a hard time with that. But that's my understanding. Okay. Um, well, well, good. Uh, good that you added it to the list because I certainly don't recall that when the uh, the public group came forward. So I was kind of yeah. curious where that one came from. So. Uh, I think this has initiated some internal review of some of the other locations that uh, the town staff have been involved with. Good uh, good catch. Okay, so... uh, So I have a question, Your Worship. Okay. Uh, The town-wide parking stalls and cutting curbs and whatnot, is that going to be part of the budget discussion then, or or where's those budget funds coming? Uh, I'm sorry. Why is it, like, is that two, or is it, like, 52 that has to be done? That I, I don't have the exact details on how many need to be completed. Some do not. The ones at the pools, for example, there is a uh, natural ramp uh, immediately adjacent to those stalls. Some of the on-street parking on Main Street will require some. There definitely is some misses in uh, some of the current on-street parking on Main Street. So uh, the Director of Engineering would be including this within her budget. Okay. Whether or not she's included it from the the budget that you have seen to date that I'm unsure at this time. But when she meets with council during her session, I'm sure she can highlight uh, exactly where those funds would be coming from. Uh, Mr. Mayor, yep. a couple of points. Um, one, uh, I think the group that um, presented mentioned uh, there was no uh, handicapped parking around Boston Pizza and Subway. So maybe that would be looked at in conjunction if that's the case. Um, also, they mentioned snow cleaning on sidewalks, particularly in front of vacant lots. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if um, one of the actions council could do in the next uh, little while is remind people about clearing their sidewalks and the vacant lots and the brownfield types, um, how that would be dealt with. We can absolutely add that to the list. Okay. So um, could we um, forward this to the paraplegic society? Mm-hmm. Tell them that we haven't forgotten about them. And uh, just get there, maybe ask them for their input, I guess. Great. Uh, so uh, I guess a motion, motion from uh, council. I'll move that this be accepted as information and that admin will contact the paraplegics association with the result or this report. Yep, that would be great. All in favor of Deputy Mayor Manzer's motion. Excellent. Uh, That takes us to new business. We, uh, I suppose this is why Ms. Modi is here today. Proposed subdivision, MDF piece 135. MMSA file 14MK054. Hello. So, yes, I I am here today to to talk about the subdivision in our neighbouring municipality, the MDF Peace. Uh, So it is a subdivision that is uh, kitty-corner to the town of Peace River. If you were to, from a location perspective, it's close to the quarter section that the hospital is on but there isn't actually road access from within the town. You have to drive outside in the MD to get to this location and to the, the nearest uh, town lot as well. There is one property within the town boundary that has access through the MD that is right adjacent to this. 
to the subdivision. Um, the subdivision is within the primary referral area of the IDP, which is why it's before you tonight. And it is also within the urban expansion area that the IDP highlights. Uh, however, it's also on what our growth study, which was done in, I believe, 2006, identifies as an environmentally sensitive area that would potentially be uneconomic for urban-style development. So the last uh, subdivision that came before Council was also for subdivision within the urban expansion area, and the town ended up writing a letter to the MD highlighting our concerns. However, in this case, while the the subdivision is within the urban expansion area, given its location and the fact that this is a single parcel to accommodate already existing development. Uh, I think the level of concern that the town needs to have about it is less, but it's also still important to flag between ourselves and the MD that this is within an area that our statutory planning documents has identified as a potential expansion area for the town. So I'm looking for a motion from council stating whether or not we have any concerns with respect to the subdivision. And I've provided two options for council, although you can certainly come up with a third. And the recommend, recommended option is that we report to the subdivision authority that the town has no significant concerns regarding the proposal, given that it accommodates existing development. However, it should be noted that the subdivision is within the urban expansion area as identified in the intermunicipal development plan and further country-style residential development on the balance of the quarter section is of concern to the town prior to an update of the IDP. Okay, any questions of Ms. Modi? Do you know why it was identified as environmentally sensitive? I can't remember the exact words used, but it's it, you're saying it's not likely you could put a subdivision in there. I don't have any environmental reports specifically that I can point to. I believe that it's in the transition area between where the built-up portion of town is and kind of going up a level. So there's, it's a lot of hills and potentially prone to slides. I know that within the town, the area adjacent to it, uh, the town has done some work with the development there, and there we do have some reports stating that not all of it is easily developable. It would have to, you'd have to put a lot of money into the development before you'd have stable developments there. So this is the third block that's taken out of this quarter? It is. So there's four legal parcels once this right. goes through. And so the remaining, I'm assuming they're taking this piece out to sell that piece? I so then the owner would, could possibly still develop another homestead on the remainder, right? Yes. And then separate that off. I mean, typically the county only allows, what, two separations? So they had to change their bylaw? MD, sorry. Yeah, and I, I was actually looking at the the count, or the MD's, Landy's bylaw, and becoming confused. And I'd like to have a conversation with them, because it seems what's currently in their bylaw, I actually think, is a little bit inconsistent. So right. we need to have some discussions to make sure that they're being consistent when I wear my other hat. As the MP's planner. <laughs> I take it that's an intentional pun. <coughs> Without the environmental study, yes. Um, 
I guess my question is, how long would that take for you to satisfy your questions and possibly mine? Well, for the MD to rectify any inconsistencies would require a land use bylaw amendment. So that could take quite a while. I thought I saw something in here that said that they had to give a variance on this for that. Am I wrong there? No, there was... It said that the land use bylaw was amended to accommodate this. So basically, amended. the proposed area uh, that would be subdivided out at this point has been its zoning has been changed. So it's no longer joint plan ag district; it's country okay. residential. Okay. So the whole the whole quarter, or just that piece? Just that piece, the ten acre section that they're trying to subdivide out of the balance right now. The balance of the quarter remains joint plan ag. But it's not really being farmed now, right? It's no. pasture or some? No, there's some farming on there. If I remember correctly. It's pasture, I think. Um, pasture. Yeah, I, I, again, I have a bit of a question about them just, uh, you know, busting the pieces off. Uh, I, would, I, would, I would feel more comfortable if we had something from them on how they're going to proceed with the rest of that quarter. You know, I mean, if, if that's it and they're done, you're right. It is an existing uh, homestead, so, mm -hmm. you know, you're right. There's not going to be a big any more development there, but that doesn't mean that they can't push something somewhere else. So I would feel more comfortable if you could come back with a, I don't know, do we do we quiz them or ask them, or do we write a letter back to them now? Well, ultimately... Uh, the MD and the subdivision authority for the MD don't have to take into consideration what town council says. You don't have a stamp of approval, uh, but certainly you can request information and signal that you'd like to, to work together to figure out a more laid out plan for this area. I think that's valid. It is immediately on our, our border. And it would be nice to know what they do plan to do with it. Okay. So you're speaking with respect to what the MD plans to do with it or what the landowner? What the MD is going to allow. So I, I guess I'm looking at your option two there, where it says uh, report to the MD-135 subdivision authority that Dead Island has no significant concerns. Um, I would say that we have a concern with what's going to happen with the rest of the property. We may not have a specific concern regarding this subdivision, okay. but we'd certainly be interested in any future proposals for that quarter. So, you know, basically what you've got there I think is right. Um, a further country residential style development on the balance of the quarter section is of a concern to the town. So I guess, uh, yeah, basically I'm agreeing with option two. 
So you can make a motion to that effect? Yes. And that motion is? Um, that um, we have the uh, report to the MD uh, subdivision authority that the town of Peace River has no significant concerns regarding the proposed subdivision. Um, however, it should be noted that subdivision is within the urban expansion area and, and is identified in the intermunicipal development plan and further the county residential style development and the balance of the quarter section is of concern to the town of Peace River. Okay, any further discussion on this item? So just for clarification, are you accepting her recommendation or are you altering it? Uh, basically accepting it. Okay. On what part? So you basically, so, <laughs> <laughs> so so what part, uh, what in addition to the basic stuff? No, just okay, just hold on. No, we'll, we'll accept it the way it's written. Okay, I'm going to call for a vote because I don't hear any more questions on this this item. So all in favor of Councillor Sawchuk's motion? Passed. Um, thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you, Ms. Mooney. Uh, the next item is Festival of Trees, uh, enabling motion. So I'm opening mine up, but you can speak, somebody can speak to it. If not, the CAO, acting CAO, Bell. That's what happens when I don't actually re write the report. <laughs> uh, Your Worship, this is the annual Festival of Trees Gala, and the organization has invited town council to attend um, the event, specifically the gala dinner and auction on Saturday, November 22nd. Uh, two tickets have been reserved. <laughs> Therefore, uh, administration is requesting an enabling motion of a mayor and or council or mayor's de uh, designate. You can make it and speech. And speech. Oh, correct. There is a request for a note, a greetings on behalf of the mayor designate at the event. Okay. So we should allow all of council to go. So. Oh boy, November 22nd. Eh? Okay. It's coming up quickly. Yeah. We've got lots of other things to do. Okay. Uh, enabling motion to. I would uh, put a motion for your worship to enable uh, uh, mayor and council to attend uh, the uh, November 22nd uh, regional women's shelter uh, gala event at the Bell the Bell Center. All in favor of Councillor Needham's motion? Passed. So people will get back to uh, Ms. Alexoff and, and uh, tell her if you uh, will be able to make it or not. Because you'll have to secure those tickets, I imagine. And if everyone goes, we could get a whole table. Well, mine is due. Yours is secured. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, next item on the agenda, 
agenda is WSP Hospitality Evening AAMDC Fall 2010 Convention. I mean, it's just an information item, isn't it? Yes, you are correct. Unless council is interested in a member attending. Just for clarification, Your Worship, yes, uh, uh, I believe Deputy Mayor Manzer and I are, are down for the event, but uh, this is certainly an information item from my perspective, so I would put a motion on the floor that we accept it as information. All in favor? Passed. That takes us to uh, National Child Day Proclamation. This was an addition, and um, I don't know, Ms. Ms. Bell, uh, do you want to give us a, a background around this? Yes, we actually, as part of our new rule with ParentLink, this is an initiative of your ParentLink Center, um, we, the project receives early childhood funding and it's part of that overall project. They are uh, requesting that parent links um, encourage and promote the national rights of the child and proclaim National Child Day, November 20th. The request is as such an administration would recommend council proclaim November 20th as Child Day. You also have been invited to attend the festivities at ParentLink on November 20th at 10.15 a.m. Okay. So anybody want to make a motion to proclaim? Is it, what's the specific day? A National Child Day, November 20th. Okay. Your Worship, I would make that motion to proclaim November 20th as National Child Day and to enable uh, available counselors to attend the events held at uh, ParentLink that day. All in favor? Anyone opposed? <laughs> That's like being opposed to motherhood and apple pie. <laughs> okay. Uh, that takes us to reports. I think we're on track for a record here, so let's get moving. The <laughs> 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 so check registry, November 6, 2013. Uh, any questions on that check registry? The town of Grimshaw, I'm assuming that was, was that the, the back truck or the sweeper that we were? Oh, never mind. I know what that is. That would be um, the cardinal. Oh. Yeah, that would be correct. Okay. Um, any other questions? If none, I'll take a motion to accept the checks for information or payment. Uh, information. information. Yeah. Mr. Ford's made that motion. All in favor? Uh, we do have the town of Peace River, uh, the reports from community services, corporate services, engineering and infrastructure, protective services, and the office of CAO. Are there any follow-up questions to those reports? Mr. Sajak. Noticing in the protective services report, um, uh, the director in this first part there, CN County and Northern Lights Council, level of service improvements to Dixonville, medical co-response added to level of service. I find that rather strange when we've directed our 
Head of Protective Services to uh, get rid of medical co-response. This is just Pat. The, this just refers to the last couple of months, though, isn't it? Yeah, probably. Last so month. I guess yeah. my question is: is how is that going to impact our agreement with the uh, county? And so maybe we could direct Mr. Bushy to add that to his report that he's bringing forward. Will do. Um, uh, I also asked for information, and I think they've they've with regards to the stats on medical co-response, motor vehicle collisions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so they've now detailed those out, but I was looking for, and I I was under the impression that I had indicated that I wanted to know where these occurred, i.e., uh, which ones occurred within town level, town limits, which ones uh, occurred outside of town limits, and in which area of of the region, and also uh, the time of the day that these events occurred. In regards to the statistical information? Yeah. Okay. And I'll in fact, I would I would like these 42, if somebody can tell me there's 42 calls involving 131 man hours, they can probably tell me where they were and, uh, and when they occurred. And I'd actually like to see these, these items that were listed for the month of... October. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd like the author to go back and uh, and resubmit this report with that information. Sounds like another Excel spreadsheet to me. Yeah. Okay. I have a question on a different report. It is the um, culture and recreation one. It's the uh, data with respect to the swimming pool. Yeah. Um, the totals at the bottom, um, maybe I met, read this wrong. So does the chart refer to all year, or is it the October values and then the total patrons, the 48,000 numbers, 47,000, that's the whole year? Total year, up to date, to so the end of October. the chart itself is yeah. just October? Correct. Okay, thanks. So it's comparing the month of October or year-to-date and the months of October in 2013 and 2014. So you're referring to to the table that goes program 2013, patrons 2013, and then across like that? Yes. And so that just uh, compares the month of October of last year to the month of October. That's this correct. Year. And then uh, the totals year-to-date uh, for each year. In comparison, so we're slightly down in comparison to last year at this time. Great. Now the early bird swim is up. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's gotten very busy. But family of, swim is down. Yeah, some of my early birds have become later birds now because it's getting too busy for them in the early bird category. Have you told them they're going to up the fee for the 55 to 65-year-old category? The word is getting out, yes. Okay, very good. <laughs> okay, any other questions? Okay, hearing none, um, I, I 
Uh, and maybe we'll just go through all of these as a uh, as a group. Um, so if people have questions regarding TransCanada or the MM, MMSA board meeting, uh, I want to see if they beat their record of two minutes for a meeting. That's M. Uh, that's MPC, not oh, MMSA. Oh, okay. so, <laughs> sorry to disappoint. <laughs> okay. Any uh, queries on RC? Well, we. I don't think anyone here can actually answer any. If you have any Probably questions not. on the RCMP report, so. We can take your questions and obtain answers for you. Well, certainly, if it, the, if I don't have in front of the, the drug number is the one that struck me. There's a, just trying to find it here, but there was a large increase in, uh, in that one particular category. I don't, I'm not sure if I can find it now. But I, I guess my question was, I don't think we've ever had the meeting with the new, uh, the yep. new uh, super, the new staff sergeant staff in town to identify what our priorities are. So um, I wondered if, this sort of information might help that discussion. I'm not sure, but um, I, I think there's an IOU that, that we need to do that. He was at the Chamber of Commerce meeting. They actually gave him a few minutes then to address the Chamber. Um, he just kind of gave us an overview similar to what he did here. Uh, they threw it up for questions. I asked him what his priorities were, and he gave a very <clears throat> non-invasive question, and then he cornered me after and said, well, what are your priorities like? So, And I said, well, you need to come and talk to us. So I suggested he might want to talk to administration to schedule time. So I don't know, maybe, maybe we should take the initiative and invite him to attend a council meeting when when uh, there's room on the agenda. And we can do so. November 24th would be probably a good date, assuming we haven't overloaded that date. We can review and then um, confer with the new staff sergeant and find a, a date very soon. Okay. Okay. So um, do I have a motion to accept items 11.1 .1 through to 11.4 inclusive for information? Or all in favor of Councillor Benke's motion? <coughs> uh, Ms. Bell, are there any notices of motion? Are there any in-camera items? None. Okay, that'll take us to key communication items. So maybe I should ask the media what they thought was interesting about today's meeting. <laughs> that will capture the uh, the public's attention. <coughs> okay. Uh, so... So that will be a key communication item that we've, uh, yeah, that we've directed administration to revise the taxi taxi bylaw to update um, um, uh, to update. I, I think the to be responsive to a number of citizen concerns that were raised about the operations and. I'm not sure if you want to get into the details. Sorry, Your Worship, we're interrupting, but I—it's the metering, it's the cleanliness, it's the inspections, it's 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 the flat rate to the airport, it's the the matter of logs. But um, I, I think what we want to communicate to the public is we've heard a, a broad range of issues, and we think 
the way to resolve them is through a, re a revised bylaw. I would also like to suggest uh, in our uh, monthly, weekly update that we mention the cleaning of sidewalks, etc. Yeah. In that time frame. I maybe, and this might be a, a discussion for another day. But we have a report of pothole program. But should we have a report of IC sidewalk program? But uh, yeah, that would be a good reminder. Just uh, with uh, snowy and icy conditions, that uh, there there is a a duty for uh, for homeowners not only to clean to clear their own driveways, but also the sidewalk that runs in front of their house. Their house. And businesses. And business. Owners. So then I also had on here uh, just reminders for the Festival of Trees as well as the proclamation for November 20th. National Child Day? Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, so the Festival of Trees is this Friday. Next, Next Friday. This Friday is light up okay, the park. Okay, light up the park. Oh, I could do that too. You knew you were doing something Friday, I, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I, so uh, light up the park is um, is geared towards which nonprofit group? Uh, it's ours, our own project. And nonprofit. And we are a nonprofit. We under, should underline that. <laughs> and that's uh, 7 to 8, right, on Friday? And maybe on just a rim or just an um, point that Stars was here. Yeah, Stars is here, and uh, uh, they and that they are they would they requested that we support their nonprofit or organization at uh, uh, similar to other other communities in the region at two dollars per capita. Okay. And and uh, should we mention that uh, we've been contacted by the uh, by municipal affairs, and uh, they would like to present their municipal their municipal review report. Um, uh, December the first at f yeah at five p.m. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Uh, note? Interest? Oh yeah, I need to get some of those. Yeah, there's. Oh yeah, so we should. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably. Okay, and actually the museum is open tomorrow for, uh, and they've got a display, if that's the right word, around, exhibit around uh, uh, Canada's, uh, um, yeah. Um, the, uh, the radio station of worship has covered uh, the renaming of Legion Street and the museum was on was on the news several times today, so uh, I would oh, okay. I would expect the museum and thank the you, Mr. Taylor. 
<laughs> so I would expect uh, T.A. Norris and the museum will uh, will see lots of residents tomorrow. Great. Okay, good. Uh, that you're wanting an adjournment? That was going to be my second suggestion. Um, just a suggestion, actually. This is not from this meeting. It was from the last week's meeting. Uh -huh. But the National Addictions Week um, has been proclaimed uh, for next week, so I'm not sure if oh, you yeah. would like to add that as, uh, as a key communication item as well. From the 16th to the 22nd. Yes, yeah, thank we're you. We're not trying to encourage it. Yes, thank <laughs> you. That being the key word. Please don't. 16th to the 22nd, yeah. Sorry about it. Actually, just have one more question, Your Worship. Uh, going back to uh, Councillor Sawchuk's remark in regards to the protective services report, and as I read it, it says CNL Council, so County of Northern Lights Council, um, changed the level of service improvements to the Dixonville area. So is that meaning their people are responding? Like, are they responding to that area from Manning, or is it our people from Peace River responding on medical co-response? Okay. So it's now 7.01. I know. <laughs> uh, motion from Mr. Ford to adjourn the meeting. All in favor?